Well, again, welcome. Um, it is uh, our privilege this morning to have some guests with us, uh, some missionaries that we've supported for a long time, Roger and Therese Kuhlmeyer. Um, and uh, it was interesting um, when I was talking uh, earlier this morning with Roger and Therese, we were mentioning that this morning is Chi Alpha morning. And Therese was saying, oh, yeah, I was greatly impacted by my time in Chi Alpha. And I was one of those freshmen who came in and didn't know uh, much. Um, and I was like, yep, that's the same for me. And so it's so amazing to me how connections happen, right? And how the Lord brings all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. He, he brings them together in all kinds of ways. And so um, I'm going to let uh, Roger and Therese share some more about what they're doing. Uh, and I think Therese is going to come up first and then Roger will be up. So if we can give them a big round of applause, that'd be fantastic. Well, Roger and I would like to thank you so much for all you do to partner with us in Sri Lanka. Now, if you aren't quite sure where Sri Lanka is, that maps up there, see India. Most people know India. See the dot at the bottom? That's Sri Lanka. So you go to India, take a left, and you got us. And we are an island nation, about 22 million people living on the island. The island's about the size of the Washington Peninsula, if you were to cut that off, okay? So we got a few people in our island happening. And... Um, God is doing awesome stuff in Sri Lanka, and we feel pretty privileged. We feel extremely blessed to be there at this time in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka has gone through a lot of war. For We had a team, actually, from this church years back, no? So um, we've actually, yeah, and had quite a few volunteers in the past, years in the past. And it was during the war, and life was tough, and life was really challenged. We could not even go to the northern section of our nation, but since the war was over about seven years ago now. We have freedom to move all over, and God has allowed our church to go up and plant lots of churches in the north. Um, um, now, under Roger has a big responsibility and role. As we, our church is really expanding out to reach the people that didn't have church, right, for years. For 30 years, there was war. And that whole war zone is a lot of people that are a lot of hurting people, a lot of people that don't know hope, a lot of people that don't, don't have a future. And, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says that we have a hope and a future, but it's only through Jesus, right? And um, so bringing that hope and future is a big role for our pastors in the north. And now we have about 49 branches and a lot up in the north. And we just thank God that there's hope for the hopeless, right? We sang that this morning. Isn't that so true? God's word is so powerful. It's so effective. And, and Roger and I feel really blessed to help lead a church that um, is in the city. We work in the city and um, our hope, we're trying to bring hope to the city of Colombo, which is probably your outsource when you call HSBC Bank and you're like, seriously, who is this and where are you? A lot of time it's Colombo, okay? <laughs> and so a lot of those people also work at, come to our church, they're part of our church family. But you know, life in Colombo in the city is a lot like the city of Seattle. We can always say, oh gosh, it must be so different. It's oceans away. Yeah, it takes us about 32 hours on the plane. But can I tell you that life is people and people are challenged and bringing Jesus to this generation, this generation that is electronically connected and trying to bring Jesus into the culture and the people of Sri Lanka is also a challenge like it is to bring to the people of Seattle. You know what? It's one message and that's Jesus.
and Jesus brings hope. So Roger and I want to thank you for partnering with us. I work um, with children's homes. Uh, Roger and I, we were just chatting with Paul. <laughs> yeah, Paul and Tanya, and you know what? Um, it's really different now. Our life is really different. Paul lived with us for quite a long time, no? How many months were you with us? Two months. And that's when we had a really full house of 22, 25 kids all together. And we just came to Northwest, and our youngest, Micah, is a freshman at Northwest. So can you imagine? Number 25 is gone, and we are empty nesters, which is a different kind of nest, I'll tell you. 25 in our nest was a full nest. But it's a new season for Roger and I as we continue now to walk our marching orders out in Colombo. We are downsizing our house and moving close to church because we were in the suburbs where we had a house with lots of kids, right? And um, we're excited to see this new season as we follow what God wants us to do as we adjust and readjust our life and readjust our ministry and our time to use it for his kingdom in Sri Lanka. God's good. And I have to just tell you, the church is alive in Sri Lanka. And we're excited to be a part of that awesome church. And we're excited that you are also a part of us. I know you can't all fly to Colombo, but if you're in the neighborhood, please pop in, okay? We have some good curry at home, and we'd love to share it with you. And if anyone's looking for internship opportunities, we still do that. I work with 42 children's homes all over the nation in six provinces. They're all Christian homes, and we are trying to raise the standard of care for kids that need residential care, for those kids that don't get adopted or those kids that don't have a family. And um, it's, I work a lot with the directors and the management of the homes and enabling higher standards so kids have a good life. They have a hope and they have a future. And that's what KidsNet is all about. We're hoping future people because that's what God is. He's a hope and future God, isn't he? So today we're thrilled to be with you. And I think the message that Roger has on his heart to share with you is quite apropos for not only what we do in Sri Lanka and in our life, but what you do is God calls you to reach your country, to reach your Seattle, to reach your neighborhood, because it's all about Jesus, isn't it? It's all about Jesus, and we get so muddled up sometimes with so many other things in life. But God wants us to not only share that here or abroad or wherever we go. And we've been able to, Roger's had some good conversations even with people at Costco. You know what? You don't have to go far to reach people for Jesus. Go have lunch at Costco. Oh, my gosh. Everyone hangs out there, don't they? Between 12 and 2. <laughs> Cheapest lunch in, in the city, isn't it? But you know what? God can use any conversation to draw any heart. Just like I was introduced, I was one of those freshmen that moved into Mathis Hall at Western Washington University, did not know Jesus. And God totally wrecked my world, changed my world, transformed my world, and prepped me up for a life that I had no clue of what it was going to be. I thought I was going to Sri Lanka for two years. And you know what? 32, 31 years later, I'm still there. <laughs> Loving Jesus, loving the man of my dreams that God had for me in Sri Lanka, and serving with him and serving Jesus. So we want to thank you for partnering with us, because One Life is really making a difference in our lives and helping us to make a difference in many others. God bless you guys. want to say a big thank you to all of you. It's wonderful to be here. I want to say thank you for supporting us in uh, the work that we do in Sri Lanka. And I thank God that Therese came to Sri Lanka 31 years ago. 
And it was awesome. You know, I'm getting, by the way, if you see my, my teeth uh, chattering a little bit, it's because I'm, I just took my uh, jacket off and I might be a little bit cold. Just a Sri Lankan getting used to the fall weather. <laughs> just kidding. I think I'll get warmed up as I go along. But I want to tell you this. In the morning, uh, I went to Starbucks. Sri Lankan going to Starbucks, getting acclimatized to the things over here. And you know what I had? A pumpkin spice latte. It tasted good. It's the first one I've had. It was so good. I don't usually go to Starbucks, but I thought, hey, I'll take my Bible and I'll head out there. It was wonderful. And I hear later on today at 1 p.m. there's something called a Seahawks game. I'm getting pretty acclimatized. You know what I mean? Uh, But you know what? We all know there's more important things than a pumpkin spice latte and the Seahawks. And everybody said, I hope so. (laughs) And I want to tell you, you know, before we left, uh, we had something called Vacation Bible School. Do you know what Vacation Bible School is? It still goes on here in the States. We learned it from here. And you know what? It was wonderful. I just want to share two stories with you. I told our congregation, reach out to Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims. And would you believe we had 517 kids come to Vacation Bible School? For five days, from the ages of 2 to 18, and we looked after them all. Oh, I had a great time from 8.30 to 1 p.m. every day, from Monday through Friday. That was awesome. We had a wonderful time. I want to tell you about two lovely stories uh, that I picked up just before we left. We finished on the 18th. Uh, we did a bit of shopping on the 19th. On the 20th, we flew out. And these are two stories that I remember very clearly. There was a little Buddhist boy that came to Vacation Bible School. He was invited by a family from our church. They're tenants living in uh, the landlord's house. And they invited this little boy. And the mother said, okay, yeah, you can take him to vacation school. They didn't say vacation. Bible school in case Bible, you know, uh, shutters go up. But you know what? Finally, he came to vacation Bible school and they bought his ticket for him. And the landlady said, why are you buying our ticket? And they said, no, we want to give it as a gift to you. We've been talking about generosity in church, inviting others, reaching out to the Buddhists, the Hindus, and the Muslims. And that's our target audience. And you know what? We had 25% out of that 517 from Buddhist, Hindu, and Muslim backgrounds. Isn't that awesome? And this little boy came and he said, oh, I love being at Bible, uh, at vacation Bible school. The aunties and uncles are so loving. They're so kind. They're so... F- Oh, so, so, so kind to me. And so the mother was so taken up that there is so much love at this place. And you know what? The mother said, next year, I will take you there. I want to see what goes on there. And that was what wonderful story. And then the second one was a Muslim boy. His mom, his grandmother and grandfather come to our church. They've been in our church for about two years and they both come to know the Lord. And the, the Muslim grandma uh, is, is feeling her way around, maybe doesn't know how to explain everything, but she is loving Jesus. Comes for Sunday service, comes for the meetings during the week, and she loves being there. And you know, she invited her grandson and her granddaughter to come for vacation Bible school. And this little boy, he's 10 years old, and he came, and he loved it. You know, he went home, and he Googled, and he told grandma and grandpa, you know what? Christianity is the first religion. Islam is second. I hope his mom didn't hear that. But otherwise, next year, he won't be allowed to come. But you know what? Finally, he said, Mama, I want to go to vacation Bible school next year as well. She said, sure, darling, Insha Allah, 
which means in uh, God willing, right? Everything in the future for Muslims is inshallah. In other words, their God, not our God, but their God, God willing. And so uh, the little boy, you know what he said? He said, not inshallah, praise the Lord. Boy, I thought he sure won't be allowed to come next, next time for vacation by the school. But you know what? He, he said, uh, Grandma and Grandpa, I want to come to church with you. I want to see Pastor Roger and I want to see Pastor Sean. And I want to be at Sunday school. And then there happened to be a tutoring class for him that day. And the Grandma and Grandpa said, well, you won't be able to come this Sunday. Let's make some arrangements and come the following Sunday. So when Sunday came around for Grandma and Grandpa to go to church, as they were heading out, the little boy looks at grandma and says, Grandma, are you worried about something? Your face tells me you're a bit worried. And you know what? The, 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 the grandma said, no, darling, I'm not worried about anything. And then he said, Grandma, I want to tell you something. If you have a problem, if you have a situation, would you talk to Pastor Roger and Pastor Sean when you go to church and ask them to pray for you? It's amazing to see what is happening in children's lives. Isn't that what life is all about? I mean, God has invited every one of us into his awesome family. And he wants not just to live with us on this earth. He wants to live with us forever and ever and ever in eternity. I want to share with you something from God's word. And as I, as I uh, turn to it uh, from uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19, this is what the word of God says. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well or your faith has made you whole. Father, we just ask your blessing upon these words. And I pray that you will speak to our hearts. And Lord, may you matter most in every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Any parents here? Yes, I see your hands. And you know what? I'm sure you've heard words like this. Dad, you're the most wonderful dad in all the world. Have you heard those things? Huh? Or mom, mom, you're one of the most wonderful, you're the wonderful, most wonderful mom in the world. And then you wonder, hey, what's coming? What's next? Either it's a real love statement or it is, hey, They've got something, there's some hidden agenda. And you, and, and, and you know what? I wonder whether we approach God like this. I think we certainly do approach God like this. When we need something, when we want something, when there's some urgency, when there's some emergency in our life, help, God, I need you. 
And you know the wonderful thing is God is not mad with us even if we come to him in the most crisis hours of our lives. And I pray that it will be an entrance into a wonderful relationship that we can have with him on a daily basis. And you know what? Sometimes we say, God, I need a job. Lord, help. I need a spouse. God, help. I need a child. And whatever the need is, you know, God is there to hear us time and time again. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? You know, what emergencies, what urgencies that we have. But when things are going well in our lives, what happens? Sometimes we forget the God who has answered our prayers again and again. And that brings us to our story this morning. There are 10 lepers here. Mind you, 10 lepers, 10 outsiders, and 10 men actually waiting to die. In fact, leprosy is such a debilitating disease that that your extremities just keep falling off. Whether it's your fingers, your nose, your ears. And, and, And they were actually... Their bodies were eating them alive. And they were living life at a distance. And that's the saddest thing. They were cut off from society. Cut off from the ones that they love so much. In fact, they said that the law stipulated that they have to wait four of these distances. From the elbow to their fingertips. Four of these distances away from other people. In fact, if they came any closer, they would be killed. And so they were not allowed into restaurants. They were not allowed into get-togethers. No being at family reunions. And life was so difficult for these ten lepers. And the Bible says that Jesus was between two towns. They say to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know, they didn't, you know, it's an impassioned plea from their hearts saying, God, help us. We're in a desperate situation. We're living life at a distance and we're hurting and we're broken and we need you to be merciful to us. And you know, as they say those words, they didn't say Jesus healer. They didn't say Jesus teacher. They said Jesus master, which leads us to believe that they believed that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the Messiah. He was the Savior. He was the maker of heaven and earth. And Jesus answers in a very unorthodox manner. Usually, Jesus would say, be healed. But in this situation, he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. In other words, act like you've been healed. I wonder whether there were questions among them. You mean go and show us how can we approach the priest? I mean, they won't even tolerate us. All society doesn't want us. But then finally they decided and they shuffle off towards the priest. And the Bible says, as they went. As they went, they were healed. You know, Hebrews 11, 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You know, sometimes we want to see before we are to believe. Some of you might be right here. I might be speaking to someone this morning. And you are saying, God, show me. Do something. Show it to me in black and white. I mean, neon light signs to me. And then I'll believe. 
But what he says is, no, no, no. Would you trust me? Would you take the first step? Would you move on? Remember Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. And you know, he had, and he was traveling, and they asked him, where are you going? Where are you heading? I don't know. Where are you going to camp? I don't know. Where are you headed? I don't know. And you know, it was a walk of faith. As they went, they were healed. You know, it's impossible to please God without faith. Can you step out before you see? Can you trust him and say, I'll take that step. I'll walk towards it. And as they went, they were healed. And then something extraordinary happens. The Bible says they were going in this direction. And there was one man who suddenly stopped and he said, look at my body, look at my hands, look at my extremities. They're all perfect. Everything is in place. I'm supposed to go here. I'm supposed to go to the priest, but that can wait. I want to go and meet the one who has healed my body, who said, go. And as you go, you will be healed. And Jesus wants us to pick up on a point in our lives. 90% say, I'm going this way. See, the majority is not always right. One, 10% said, I am heading back this way. I have a, 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 a desire to go and meet the miracle worker who brought all of this about. The priest couldn't do this, but I want to meet this man who has done an amazing work in my life. You know, I want to ask you a question. Who's making progress in this story? Who's making progress in this story? Progress is not, not always forward looking. Progress is not always forward. He turns back and he comes to Jesus. I want to share a few observations with you in this wonderful story. See, we oftentimes are prone to miss the point. We're oftentimes prone to miss the point. You know, this man... You know, he could have said, well, Jesus told me to go this way. I mean, but I really feel like going this way. What should I do? I'm at attention. I don't know what to do. Do I go here? Do I go there? Look at my body. Look at what has happened. Look at what this man has done in my life. And then he decides, I'm going this way. And can you imagine if he went to Jesus and then Jesus asked him, hey, you're back. What happened? Did you go to the priest? He says, no. Would Jesus ever have said, you should have gone to the priest like I told you and then come back to me? He doesn't say that. He accepts him. In fact, he commends the very fact that this man came to Jesus and he asked the question, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Clearly, Jesus wants us to pick up on the point that while you are being healed, remember to thank the healer. While you are expecting something from God. When you get your job, remember to thank the one who gave you that job. When God gives you your marriage partner, be thankful and say, let everything lead back to the one who has blessed you. 90% of us miss the point. John Calvin said it this way, the nine wanted to erase from their memory their disease altogether. In other words, they were outsiders. I mean, never were they, you know, invited to all the functions, all the celebrations. They were set apart. And, you know, they were, they were, they were you know, uh, walking, you know, dead men. 
not knowing where to turn in society. And then finally, they become insiders. Why? Because Jesus has healed their bodies. They say, look at us now. See, sometimes a little bit of success can go to our heads, can't it? I mean, you get a little bit of success in your life and then sometimes you can forget everything. You know, it's important that we need to remember. You know, sometimes for us as well as Christ followers, I mean, we don't want to remember how lost we were. We don't want to remember how blind we were. We don't want to remember that we were broken. And Jesus came and he picked us up and he brought us out completely. I'm starting sometimes now to live up to what other people say I am. You know what? If we live like that, we too are dead men walking. Our lives, our bodies, our brains, every part of us belong to the Lord and not anything else. But you know what? We can go on our merry way and we can forget him completely. Where did those nine go? They were reveling in the parties, in the celebrations, in the family reunions. But only one of them had the sense to say, hey, this man spoke words. He gave me healing in my body. I'm not going that way. I'm going to the one who has healed me. Only one had the sense to do that. And you know what? God's not mad at you. Sometimes you're gifted, you are talented, you are proceeding in your life. You are going forward and wonderful things are happening in your life. But would you turn and say, God, you're the one who has done everything for me. Turn back. In other words, God's not mad. He knows what we are like. He knows that we are dust. He knows that we are fragile. He knows that we are fickle. But he wants to remind us through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we have all these emotions in our lives. He says, remember that I am the point in your life. As a pastor, many people come and ask me to pray for various needs. You know, whatever the needs may be, needing a job, maybe needing a bonus, maybe needing something else in their lives, healing. And I pray, I'll pray for anything and anything and everything because God is concerned for the littlest things in our lives. But you know what? God wants to bless us, it's true. But let us never forget with all the trinkets that we have, with all the toys that we have, with all the stuff that we have, with all the possessions that we have, it all comes back to the source. The point of it all is Jesus. Enjoy yourselves in nature like we did. I mean, we were on the Puget Sound, you know, uh, on these, on these uh, paddle boards and, and all these wonderful uh, uh, equipment to enjoy on the waters. And you know what? And in those canoes, those kayaks, it was enjoyable. It was wonderful. But in all the enjoyment, don't forget who the original creator was. It's him and no one else. He's the original artist in all of this. See, we could be a part of the 10% today. We could be one life, a part of the 10%. Let it all point to the provider, to the protector, to the deliverer. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. Isn't it amazing? Jesus expected them to pick up on the point. And he says, go. You know, when you go, 
When you go and you are healed along the way, don't forget to turn back. When God blesses you with the great jobs, with money, with careers, never forget to turn back because he's saying, I am the point. Don't miss the point, whatever you do. And this guy comes back. He is loud. Have you met some loud Christians? Have you met some people that have just met Jesus and they're like, wow, you know what? Somebody forgave me for my sins. I mean, I'm a new man. I'm a new creation. He's all excited. He's loud as ever. I mean, you know what? At 1 p.m. today, a lot of people get loud. I mean, and it's only a game. It's only a Seahawks game. Does it matter in eternity? Zilch. But you know what? When you get excited, when you come to know Jesus and you're telling others about him, I mean, you know what? It's, it's biblical. I mean, the most thankful thing to do. This man did the only right thing that all those 10 should have done. And he turns back and he says, Jesus, you're the one. You're the point. Ah, I get it. I get it. And he certainly got the point. You know why? You and I should have been lost. You and I should have been blind. You and I should have been, as this man, lepers, dead men walking. But for you, Jesus, but for you, help me never to forget. And I pray that Jesus will always be the point in your life. You know something else that happens? Sometimes, church, you have to go back to go forward. You've got to go back to go forward. Progress in our story is going back, not forward, in this sense. I wonder today, do you remember? Where did it all start for your life? When did you come to know Jesus? When did you become a Christ follower? Five years old? 15? 25? 45? 85? I mean, do you remember that day? I mean, were you a nightmare to work with? Because you talk nothing else but about Jesus. And these guys are trying to say, shut up, will you? I need to work. But you're like all enamored about Jesus. You start going around quoting your, about Jesus. You start making quotes that don't even appear in the Bible. I mean, because you've read it in some inspirational book. And you're suddenly quoting it. See, it's exciting. And you know what? In that excitement, you know what happens? Life happens. Years go by, we get married, we have children, and somehow things start to lose its fervor. It happened to the patriarchs as well. If you look at their lives, it certainly did. But we need to go back to go forward. Do you remember, you know, when your heart rejoiced, rejoiced so much when you wanted to hang out with Jesus? You know, you took your Bible and you said, wow, I just want to spend time with him. I just want to get alone with him. I want to... And then when the time is over, you're like, oh, I wish I could be here longer. I'm just enjoying these moments with my creator. And you're enjoying it so much. Do you remember those days? Do you remember when you couldn't wait for Sunday to roll around? You were just about frothing at the mouth, waiting. When is, when is Sunday coming? I remember I was, I was 16 years old when I finally made my decision to follow Jesus. And I remember I was on the track team in my college. And, you know, for me, track lost its luster. 
I mean, I didn't want to run anymore. I didn't feel as, as, as I did before. First track was so important in my life. Suddenly, Jesus came into my life. By the way, I'm not saying track is not, bad, not good or, or sports are not good. I'm not saying that. It just lost its luster for me. And finally, I said, Jesus, I want you. I, wanted, I was waiting for the doors to open. And sometimes it's important to go back, to go forward. I remember my Sunday school days, hearing about Jesus. I remember I had some great Sunday school teachers that taught me that Jesus died for me on the cross. He shed his blood for me. I mean, tears would literally come down my cheeks. I used to be crying. And then he would say, how many of you would like to give your hearts to Jesus? My hand would go up. I did it so many times until the age of 16 when I realized, hey, now I really mean it and I'm going to follow Jesus and I don't have to raise my hand every time now because I've made a, final, I've made a commitment to the Lord. Simple songs that spoke words of life. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black and white. You heard the brown? Because we have a lot of brown people back home. And you know what? It spoke volumes. I think of the theologian Kierkegaard. You know, uh, you know, he was a man that was given a ticket around the world. And he traveled all over because he had done so much for Christianity over the years. And you know what he said? Someone came and interviewed him and the reporter asked him, what's the greatest thing that you can tell us? What is the most wonderful thing? You've lived your life. You've traveled the world. You've done all these wonderful things. What is it you want to tell us? He said, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Church, that's where it's at. I just love Jesus. I love going to church because sometimes it's so easy to forget even in my life, as I grew older, as I got married, as I've had children, you know, things can happen. Life happens. One thing after another, maybe a situation, a crisis, a trauma, things can happen in all our lives. We sometimes need to go back in order to go forward. And this is an amazing story. Let's get right back into it. This guy, it could have cost him. You know, he was saying, look, Jesus told us to go this way. But I really feel an urgency to go this way. And I really want to go this way. And I want to follow my urgent promptings of my heart. And you know what? Could he have asked himself, would I lose my healing? I mean, Jesus did tell me to go there. He told me and I need to be obedient to him. But I want to go back. And you know what? He went back. And you know what? He was the one that was commended from all the ten. And this is what Jesus is asking us to do as life happens, as you move on, as you progress, as you do great things in your life. Make sure to always come back to the one who has given everything for you. Could I lose my healing? You know what he did? He put his miracle in jeopardy and he said, I want to meet the miracle maker. I can't go. I can't go anywhere else. I've got to go and meet the miracle worker. And I wonder if you and I can love like that. I wonder whether we can have the simple childlike wonder in our hearts. Never to forget that we need to go back in order to go forward. See, when the miracle happens, that we say, great, this happened, but I must not forget who the miracle worker is. I'm heading back home. I'm going back to him. 
Nothing compares to you, Lord. So many things can happen in my life. I may be, you know, going up in society, but I will never forget who you are and what you have done in my life. If it cost me my reputation, if it cost me my career, if it cost me my very life, would you say, Jesus, it's all you. It's all for him that we are even existing. Jesus asks, where are the other nine? You know, you know that transformation has taken place in your life. You know why? When you get an opportunity to gossip and you don't. You know what he, he you know, he, this, this leper could have said, Oh Jesus, I'm so glad you asked me. Because I need to tell you all about those nine guys. In fact, they were supposed to be Jews and he was the only Samaritan. They only hung together because all society was against them and they bunched up together. But now, this Samaritan was breaking loose and he was heading to Jesus. And you know what? He says, Lord, you are amazing. He had an opportunity to gossip, to criticize. He says, I'm not going to spend an afternoon criticizing and pointing fingers at other people. I want you to know Jesus. I just love you. I'm in love with you because you are certainly so amazing. And then he goes on to tell him, your faith has made you well. In other words, whenever Jesus says your faith has made you well, you know what he's meaning? He's meaning, I have made you well. You know why? Because he gives us the faith to believe in him. He gives us the strength to believe in him. He's the one that heals you. And so Jesus has made him well. And then he goes on to say, you are whole. Right at the end of that passage. The nine that went to the priest, they were healed on the outside. But this one man was healed not only on the outside. He was healed on the inside as well. He was made whole, completely whole. And the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? See, only Jesus, only Jesus can heal the deepest recesses of your heart. Only Jesus can make you complete deep inside. Only Jesus can fill that hole, that God-shaped vacuum that is in your life and in mine until Jesus came and filled it up. Only Jesus. Church, we are all here for him. Not for anything else, for him. And when we stand before him, We'll be so glad saying, God, I'm so glad I thanked you all the way. When I progressed, when things were moving well in my life, I thank you that I didn't turn back. I, uh, that I did turn back and I asked you, thank you. And I, I thanked you from the bottom of my heart. I wonder if we will live like that for him. Day in and day out. You know why the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to commend every one of us. Those of us who will say, God, in the progress of life, in pursuing my goals, I will always come back to the one who gave me everything. He is immutable. The Bible, uh, the, the, the theologians say, he changes not because he does not need to change. He is perfect. He is righteous. He is just. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will stick with us closer than a brother. Do you see God in this story? 
See Luke chapter 15, two chapters before. What does he say? The father was right there waiting for him until he came home. And here in Luke 17, this man that was healed, he came back. Where was Jesus? Right there, accessible, available to him in every situation that he was going through. And you know what? Jesus has never moved. If, it, if anyone has moved, it is you or it is me. And what he's saying is, I have not moved. I'm right where you will find me. I'm accessible and I'm available to you. And now we can come boldly to him. We can come boldly to him. I don't need to tell you how to get in touch with God. You do know because he has put a radar deep inside of you. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, his radar is on. Just turn to him and say, God, I confess with my mouth, I am a sinner. I am, I am lost. I am blind and I need you in my life. He has an eternal plan for every single one of us. See, I pray that you will love Jesus. I pray that you will love Jesus. With all that has happened in your life, every bit of stuff as life has happened, I'm telling you, you do love Jesus. That's why you're here. You do love Jesus. Otherwise, at 10 o'clock in the morning, you do not need to be in this church. You love him. You, you are passionate for him. But maybe along the way, stuff has happened. And maybe it has made you lost a little bit of your fervor. And I pray that you will say, God, today, I want to turn back. I want to come back to you because, Jesus, you are the point. You are certainly the point, church. I pray that we will be in the 10% to go back, to go forward, to say, I love Jesus. Sometimes, church, we need to go back in order to go forward. Shall we make that decision this morning? I'm going to ask Pastor Greg to kindly come and, and close my message. Roger, thank you so much. That was, oh. when you said I'm going to invite him up, I was like, oh, I got to do something. Uh, but I was still just sitting in, in everything you said. Um, at the end of each of our services, uh, in your uh, bulletin, you had that thing, that connection card. And it's got space on there on the back for you to write prayer requests, next step decisions, uh, and hopefully the answers to these questions that, uh, that we have uh, today. So the first one is, what did you hear and or what stuck out to you today? So anything from our service or specifically from Roger's message, what, what stuck with you? What, what, what was churning around in your heart? What's buzzing around in your brain right now? Uh, and then secondly, how are you going to respond to that? I want to invite the worship team to come on up and the prayer team. Um, and in just a moment, they're going to start playing uh, some music, and that's time for you to respond to those questions. And then uh, once you hear Brian start singing, that's an invitation to join in. You can sing, but if you're still writing, still taking time to process, please continue to do that. And then if you put those connection cards in the wood boxes on your way out, that would be great. And again... Uh, it's not just a way for us to be able to pray with you and those kinds of things, which are fantastic. But it is one of the ways we feel like we hear from the Holy Spirit about how he's moving in our midst, right? It's one of the ways for you to respond and for us to get that information and be able to go, oh, wow, this is amazing, the things that we've heard uh, from you all, too, because you're all very important in, in how the church moves. And so um, I'm going to pray, uh, and then they'll start playing, and that'll give uh, your signal to start writing. Um, 
Sorry, I'm not going to pray yet. Uh, one thing I do want to let you know. Over the next two weeks, we are going to be taking a special offering for Roger and Therese. And so uh, we want to announce that, that the next two Sundays, we'll be taking some time to take an offering for them, and then we'll get that to them. So in your giving envelope also, there's a spot where you can write if you want to start that today. That's totally fine. But we'll remind you over the next two weeks that we're going to be doing that. So just be looking for that too. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks today. God, help us all to pause. God, help us all in everything that is moving in one direction, just as we were reminded this morning. Help us to be mindful of you. So even in this moment, even right here, right now, help us remember who you are. I hope you all feel that in this room this morning. Holy Spirit, we give you thanks that you're present with us. And again, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.